Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 327, it's another round of YMYW Retirement Plan Spitball Analysis. John's maxing his retirement savings and he's got a pension. What else should he be doing? And how do 40 chickens figure into his plans? How should James in Arizona incorporate his pension and Social Security into his equity and fixed income portfolio mix? Should Dustin from Minneapolis be more aggressive with Roth conversions? With inflation, should Diego be using a 5% equities growth rate in his early retirement plans? Should Hawk and Lady Hawk in Scottsdale be using a spousal lifetime access trust to protect their assets from a tax time bomb? Plus, a brief overview of the Secure Act 2.0 bill passed by the House Ways and Means Committee last week. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. All right. Hello, Joe and Big Al. I'm 36, yo. I drive a 2012 Civic and have put 284,000 miles on it since I bought it new. No pets, but I have 40 chickens at one time prior to COVID. What the hell is wow. wrong with you? 40 chickens? He likes eggs, I guess. <laughs> John doesn't specify where he lives. He might be someplace where 40 chickens make sense. Uh, I could say something. Um, <laughs> I will. I will have a public pension that will replace 88% of my income at 57. No debt, home is paid off. I make 45 grand a year. I save 6,000 every year to max out my Roth IRA, which is a total of $32,000 in small cap land and value, 50-50. I max out the family HSA every year, 7,800, uh, with a total of 23,000, all in small cap value. I have a 457 plan with 167,000, Split 19% in BIIX and 81% in BRMPX. I don't have a 403B, but I could, which means I could max the 457 at 19.5 and a 403B at 19.5, totaling $39,000. But since it's tax deferred, it only impact, um, since it's tax deferred, it would only impact, look like to take. Home pay as I invested twenty eight five hundred. Um, also, I have a brokerage account of fourteen thousand. Um, so, okay, he makes forty five grand a year, and he's yeah. saving all this money. Look at that, and he's got a great pension. And he's got forty chickens. What the hell is he? Doing? I think he's got nothing to worry about. He's got food for life, <laughs> and he's got eighty eight percent pension. Uh, I don't really you know, plan. If he wants oh, to eat, he could just go grab one of the chickens too. Uh, Let's hope he's not a vegan like you. Well, it doesn't say. <laughs> I don't really plan to touch any of this money, as I assume if I need more of my income, I just pause investing for the time. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy's saving like 50% of his income. <laughs> <laughs> he's just playing with chickens all day. I don't know what the hell this guy's doing. <laughs> But what, after COVID, COVID killed the chickens or something? He's like, yeah, I had all these chickens prior to COVID. Yeah. Why would you, on like COVID, you're at home. Would you keep the chickens? Maybe or did he eat all the chickens because of COVID? Because he, he, he lost his salary. He had no income. <laughs> so <he> had, <laughs> there, there weren't enough eggs to, to make the food. <laughs> oh, God. If I need more my income, I just pause investing for the time being. I feel like I'm far behind in all this investing. Not sure what I should be doing otherwise. 
Also, I have $600,000 in life insurance policies, so I'm worth more dead than alive, as my dad has always said, too. What am I missing? Look forward to Joe making fun of me. Oh, what are you talking about, John? Never make fun. All in good spirit. That's right. Thanks for the advice. John, you wrote in your email that you had 40 chickens. What do you want me to say? (laughs) He wanted you to make fun of him. That's why he wrote it. Hey, (laughs) He didn't oh really God. say how many pigs he had or <laughs> whether he's got cows or horses. Uh, I think he's doing great. He's 36, yo. Right? Yeah. It's amazing. So uh, he's good, man. He's going to have 88% of his income at age 57. So he can retire in 20 years. He has no debt. Paid his house. He's saving crazy amounts of money. And yeah, I, I love it. I don't really see a, um, that big of a fly in his, his overall strategy or plan. I don't either. I think it's perfect. I think uh, he's got extra money to buy more chickens if he wants. Yeah, right. Diversify. Get back. Yeah. All right. We got uh, James. He writes in from Arizona. Hello, Joe, Alan, Andy. Thanks for the podcast and the valuable information you share with us listeners. I would like to get your thoughts on how to incorporate a pension in Social Security within fixed income portion of my portfolio. All right. Do you recommend this approach or do you keep those separate from the allocation percentages? Uh, So James is asking now, is that, all right, well, I got a pension in Social Security. Can I just count that as like my bond allocation in my portfolio? Yeah. So in other words, I don't need any bonds, right? Because I got plenty of fixed income. Correct. Right. So, is I mean, I, I guess another way to look at that is like, um, God, what was the name of the book that um, that he was all into human capital and he kind of looked at it that way. If you have, you know, fixed income sources coming in from Social Security and pensions and so on, you know, you have to look at that present value allocation into your overall asset allocation. Right. Yes, I do remember that. I forget the name of the book, too. We interviewed him, the author. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a good guy. As an example, we have $1.5 million in retirement in taxable accounts, and we want to take 4% each year or $60,000. My pension is twenty dollars per year. Our Social Security will be $40,000 per year. That provides $120,000 in total income, with half coming from pension and Social Security. If we want to have a 50-50 equity and fixed income allocation, and the 50% fixed income is covered with pension and Social Security, can we invest 100% of what is in the retirement taxable accounts into equities to cover the 50% of the portfolio. If you do not agree with this approach, I would appreciate you hearing your thoughts and how you incorporate pensions and social securities into the equity and fixed income portfolio mix. Um, Much appreciated. And James, that's a very good question. And um, Al, I guess I'll let you kind of take a crack at that. It's my turn. Okay, good. See what you think. I, I like to separate it, Joe. So in other words, I, I like to say, what, what is your need? What is your shortfall? You take your, your spending need of 120 and your fixed income is 60, so you still need 60. So I like to look at that compared to your overall portfolio. And of course, that's 4%. Uh, but then a couple, couple of things that I would say. Uh, one is we kind of want to make sure you have enough safety in your portfolio to ride out a long-term market downturn. So if you need 60,000 a year, you can multiply that by five years. You can multiply by 10 years. Let's say 10 years to be ultra safe, right? So that's $600,000. 
So if, if, you, if, if you agree with that, then you would want 600,000 in fixed income divided by 1.5 million, which comes out to be 40%, 40% bonds, 60% stocks. Now, um, that's just, that's one way to look at it. A second way to look at it is what rate of return do you need to be able to generate a 4% cash flow distribution? And interestingly enough, the 4% rule came from somebody investing in a 60-40 portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% bonds for a 25-year period. That doesn't guarantee that's going to work, but over the likelihood, it's probably 90% plus chance that you'll have enough money over your retirement, which is was when the study was done years ago, uh, was over 25 years. So anyway, in both analysis, 60-40 to get a 4% distribution, 60-40 to have $600,000 in fixed income. I think that's the number. You know, um, I agree with both those statements because how I would look, I mean, you have to look at it. What is the demand for the portfolio? What is the portfolio meant to do? And the portfolio in this particular scenario for James is that it needs to create $40,000 of income, Right. Is that or yeah, $60,000 or no, $60, of income from the portfolio? He'll be pulling right. 4% of the portfolio. So he's like, well, can I keep that 100% equity? Because my true income need is 120000 So 60000 is going to come from the portfolio. 60000 is going to come from pensions and Social Security. So half of my income is already met by you know, other fixed income sources other than my portfolio. So can't I just keep that 100% stocks because half of my income is already covered and that's my fixed income. I like his thinking, uh, but I think it's flawed just a little bit because he has to look at what the demand is for the portfolio because if he's got 100% stocks and he's pulling 4% out, do we know how old James is? Uh, no, no idea. We don't. Um, I don't know. Maybe if, if he was 75, I'd be fine with it. Right. Yeah, I, I think that to me, Joe, that the the lower the demand on the portfolio, now it's now you've got a little more flexi flexibility. You can you can take more risk if that's what you want to do to save for charity or, or your kids, or you can take less risk because you don't need to take as much risk. But I think you know the four, the four percent rule was originally designed as a sixty percent stocks, forty percent bonds, and that's that's kind of what he's wanting to do. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He needs a little bit more safety because if he had 100% equities within that portfolio and he's pulling 4% out and the market drops, let's say 20%, right? And so now he doesn't have, that th that 4% just went up to 7 or 8% and he could go into asset depletion mode. If he's fine at the end of the day, just living off of $60,000 from his fixed income sources, um, by all means, just keep it in equities. Because he could eventually live off of two hundred thousand dollars a year if if he has a really good bull run, uh, but if he Maybe. hits a bear market at the wrong time, it could blow up his entire plan. So we're fairly conservative. So we look at constructing the portfolio of what it needs. And if you're taking that big of a distribution, um, I, I like Al's idea. All right. So how do you know for sure whether you're on the right track for retirement? If all you do is get a few minute off the cuff spitball analysis from Joe and Big Al on YMYW, imagine what you could learn from a comprehensive one on one personalized financial assessment with a certified financial planner professional on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. It's free, just like this podcast. It doesn't obligate you to anything. And it's a deep dive into your overall financial picture to identify strategies that can 
can save you from paying unnecessary taxes, ensure your portfolio is matched to your risk tolerance, and to help you achieve your retirement goals. Anybody anywhere in the country can visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Get an Assessment to schedule a free financial assessment at a date and time that's convenient for you. Let's see. We got, um, hi, Joe, Big Allen, Andy. I found you guys a month ago while searching YouTube for you know what. You know what he's talking about there, Big Al? I would guess uh, that mega backdoor. You know what? You you put it you know where. That's the one. <laughs> uh, since then, I've listened to a couple of episodes a day on Spotify while driving my 2009 Sienna to our neighborhood park in the Twin Cities and watching uh, walking my black lab Kirby around the ball fields. I love your show and would appreciate your thoughts about the financial plan I developed for my wife and myself. Uh, I'm nearly 62 and plan to retire in a few years. Uh, my hot wife is 54 and drives a 2017 Honda CRV uh, and plans to retire at 60. We're in good health. Hope to live to our 90s. We have two grown independent sons and would like to leave a legacy if possible. I think we'll be okay financially, but I'm concerned our pre-tax retirement dollars are growing faster than we can convert them. Retirement pre-tax 1.5 Roth IRAs, a million uh, brokerage accounts, 200 grand savings, HSAs, hundred grand house, 400 grand. Uh, our cash portion has dropped a bit the last few years due to college tuition, family vacations, and funding back to our Roths while maximizing our company retirement plans. I recently reduced our, company contributions to the 6% match level in order to rebuild our cash to give us a little bit more flexibility in retirement and pay those taxes uh, for future conversions. Our annual income, including interest and dividends, is $235,000. After applying the standard deduction, our taxable income is 210, putting us in the 24% tax bracket. We've done Roth conversions of $120,000 each over the last three years to max out this bracket. We plan to continue the $120,000 conversions in 2022 and 23, and then bump them up to $200,000 in 2025 and 26 when my employment income stops, assuming the current tax brackets are still intact. I'm planning to take my company pension at age 65 as a lump sum of $350,000 and rolling it into an IRA instead of the taking $1,600 a month, 100% joint and survivor annuity option. Assuming a 6% return on investments, 80% stock funds, or retirement assets at the end of 2026 would be $3.5 million, $1.4 million pre-tax, including the pension lump sum, and two and a half or $2.1 in Roth. We estimate needing $120,000 for our annual expenses in retirement, 3.5% uh, inflation on that, which will put us in the 25% tax bracket in the previous brackets are reinstituted in 2027. Uh, we plan to delay Social Security till age 70. It should be about $4,000 a month for me and $2,500 for the wife. Uh, she will also get a nurse pension of about $200,000 a month that kicks in at age 65. So we got two, six, seven, eight, eighty-five hundred $8,500 a month of fixed income, Al. Okay. In retirement, we will draw down from the pre-tax to supplement any shortfall from Social Security pension income and continue Roth conversions within our tax bracket. Does this sound like a reasonable plan or am I missing something? Should we be more aggressive with our conversions? Thanks for sharing your knowledge. You guys rock. Dustin <laughs> from the Minneapolis. Interesting. 
You know, I just want to say in five and a half minutes, you managed to read that question with hardly any problems at all. Fantastic job. Thank you. I'm really practicing yeah, this, my reading this at night. Be, this should be on the best of someday. Totally. Best, best, of, best question ever, Jay. <laughs> I've been practicing. I go home and I just read stupid questions over right. and over and over again. So I'm prepared, right? Wait, we also have a picture of Kirby, the black yeah. lab. So that's cool. Beautiful dog. Yeah, All right. Yeah. I, I don't know. What do you think, Al? I, 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 I don't have any problems. What, what are you thinking? I, I think that um, the Roth conversion, he's at 210,000 right now. At the top of the 24 is 330. So he's saying you'd do another 120. There were so many numbers here. I lost track of what's what, but uh, that would be at the top of the. <laughs> The top of the 24% bracket. I like that. I like that a lot. And plus, there's not a lot of money outside of retirement accounts to pay for the tax. So that seems like a good amount to me. Uh, I mean, he's he's converting $120,000. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. where all the cash went. He's taking his, you know, Kirby out to lavish vacations. <laughs> well, kids college and vacation, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, no, I, I don't. Okay, I well, let, let, let me do the, the math here real quick. Yeah. He is, um, uh, let's see, well, he's 62 years old. 10 years, let's say the retirement plan uh, grows to 3 million. Well, that I don't understand because it's already two and a half. No, 1.5 and then 1 million Roth. So he's already got a million bucks in Roth. Two and a half is total. I know, but but he's 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 saying that his pre-tax is going to be 1.4 in 10 years. It's already 1.5, so I, something's wrong there. He said three and a half million, 1.4 pre-tax because he's doing the conversions out. Oh, he's he's factoring that in, maybe, huh? He's factoring the 120 thousand dollar conversions for X number of years. Okay, right. let's okay, say if okay. he doesn't do any more conversions at three million dollars. Um. Four times three is $120,000, 120 uh, plus social security. Uh, let's see. He's going to be at 200,000, call it total income with the wife's pension, social security and everything else. I'm guessing, I don't have my calculator today for some reason. Um, minus the deduction, 25. So let's call it $175,000 of income. At that level, he's in the 22% tax bracket. Actually, he's just made it into the 24, barely. 173 is the is the break. Most of it is in the 22% tax bracket, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. he's converting in the 24% tax bracket. And if he didn't do anything at all, most of his income is going to be taxed at the 22% tax bracket. Correct. It's going to convert to the 25 potentially is what he's yep, thinking. Yep. So let's convert yep. it to the 24 to get to the 25. I, I just, I don't know if I was him, would I want to continue to do the, the conversions to the 24 when I already have a million dollars in a Roth, it doesn't, he doesn't have 5 million in a, in a pre-tax account. It's one and a half. He's got a million dollars in a Roth. He's going to have good fixed income. Um, I think I would rather have the liquidity, right? So he's going to stop saving to build up his cash because his cash is getting blown from the conversions. So right. I would, I would want to rerun the numbers a little bit. I, I don't mind his plan, uh, but I don't think it's as, as efficient as, as he probably could get it. 
Yeah. What, what's, yeah. What, I guess what's hard to say is we, I mean, there's a lot of information here. We kind of need to put this into a, a software program to kind of look at all the variables, but I, me personally, I, I like the idea because having more in Roth gives you more flexibility. He would still have, according to his calculations, 1.4 million in pre-tax. Um, and so theoretically, um, 1.4 million, what's that going to produce that? Let's, let's call it 60 grand. Yeah. 60 yeah, grand, 60 grand plus social security, you know, plus whatever else, I guess, um, minus the, we'll call it standard deduction. He could be right at the bottom of the 22% bracket. So then maybe his social security that would still be probably fully taxable. I haven't factored that in yet. So anyway, I don't know. I, I think it's, I, I think the concept's fine. I, I think I know where you're going though, Joe. And that is when you get to a certain point, when you got enough Roth IRA, do you want to keep being so aggressive? Because basically if you keep converting in the 24% bracket and you end up in the 12% bracket, then you kind of overpaid for the conversion. Right. There's, there's going to be a point where he wants to stop converting. Sure. Because he's and converting I, yeah. so much, you know, he's, he, th these are big clips. $120,000 a year to get to the top of the 24, the 24% tax bracket's giant. It is. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well now I converted so much money out and then, well, I don't really have a lot of my retirement assets left to, to take advantage of the 12% tax bracket and the 22% tax bracket or the 15% and the 25, depending on where tax rates go. So that's where he's, that's the planning where we're, Right. You're right on, Al. You kind of read my mind there. That's that's where I would want to get that thing dialed in a little bit more because you don't want to over convert and then end up, you know, being in a lot lower tax bracket uh, potentially. Yeah. But, but of course, the unknown is we don't know what tax brackets are going to be of in course. the future. And maybe they'll be higher given that we've got so much national debt. So this helps mitigate that possibility. You're right. Just keep converting. I just wanted to have a little bit more conversation on it, I guess. <laughs> Want some that, was, that was kind of fun because usually we're on the opposite sides of that one. Well, I like it. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I had to take the other side out. Just had to do it. <laughs> uh, thanks, Dustin uh, from Minneapolis. I appreciate your email. Diego writes in from Maryland. Cheers to the gang. Long time. First time. I'm a classic do-it-yourselfer trying to get free information from generous and magnanimous. 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 <laughs> the hell is that? It means generous. It's another word for generous. Magnanimous. Magnanimous. <laughs> Folks like you. Um, I have put together our personal net worth statement and used that to project our growth and to get a general time frame for retirement uh, when retirement is feasible. In addition to being a do-it-yourselfer, I'm also one of those wackos trying to retire early between 45 and 55. Nothing wrong with that. Remember my plan, Joe, I was going to retire at 47. How'd that work out, Big Al? How old here. are you all now? 64. Just turned 64. Well, in Hawaii, I might add, which is where <laughs> I'm at right now as we record this show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my wife and I are in our mid thirties. You got $65,000 in cash, not earmarked for retirement. 650000 in equities earmarked for retirement. No fixed income. The equities are split evenly between a taxable brokerage account in a traditional 401k and a Roth 401k. 
Okay. Uh, low cost, globally diversified index funds, yada, yada, yada. My two questions, if you're generous enough to answer them are, if I take the nominal growth rate for the equity, say 7% and subtract the ballpark inflation rate, say 2%, can I use a 5% growth rate for equities to keep figures in today's dollars? Alan? I would say, no, that's not the best way to do it. Use the 7%, but if you think inflation is going to be 2%, then inflate your expenses 2% per year until you retire to get a sense of how this actually works out. I don't, I don't think this math works the same. I don't think so either. So what he's saying is that take your $650,000 of um, assets, grow them at 7% for the next what is he? He's 30 years old, wants to retire in, let's call it 25 years or 15 yeah. years. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mid, mid thirties. Yeah. Call it 15, 20 years. Yeah. So just run that out 15, 20 years and whatever that you're adding or, you know, contributing to those plans, you know, put that into your overall equation and then use your expenses. And so some, you know, I would break down my expenses. If you really want to get to the nitty gritty on this, your mortgage is going to be flat, right? Because it's a fixed payment. But you're going to have other expenses that are going to grow higher than 2%. You're going to have other expenses that might grow at 2%. So you could use kind of a blended rate there. Um, so that's how I would look at it and then look to see what your shortfalls are um, or surpluses and then kind of go from there. That's how I'd look at your planning. If you want to do a quick back of the envelope, uh, maybe you can do something like that. Um, the market has been pretty strong and has been pretty much uh, been up pretty much the whole time I've been investing. So it feels like using $650,000 in equities earmarked for retirement is an artificially high starting point. Do you have any rules of thumb I could use, such as keep the 7% growth rate, but instead of starting my projections at the current value of the equities, start them at 80% of the value, essentially assuming we're always on the verge of a 20% market decline, but assume that long-term growth rates will still average out to 7% or is the current value always the best starting point? Thanks for the discussion. Hope you found at least one or two points when reading this to make a joke because Lord knows your listeners tune in more than just financial advice. All right. I guess we joke a lot. We just make fun of people all day. <laughs> I think circles. you do, we Jeff. Talk, I do not nonsense. make fun of anyone. I'm just reading the questions and I'm just giving my opinion. Right. I don't know if that's making fun. We can't so say I, that in today's environment. I, I would just start, I'd start with the real starting point, 650. I mean, the, you don't, there's going to be a correction, sure, but who knows when? And 7% is a fairly conservative number if you're 100% equities. I mean, the S&P itself has, has, over 100 years has gone up almost 10%. If you just look at a single asset class, and then if you look at small company value companies, that he's got some blend here, those have gone up more over the last 100 years. No guarantee on the future whatsoever. And stocks are volatile. But yeah, that's what I would do. I would just start with the 650 and throw in 7% and see what, and then, and then I would probably use the 3% inflation rate uh, for my expenses and see how they came out and just compare those two by the time you get to age 45 or 50 or 55, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and our firm, we use three and a half. So we yep. use 6% and three and a half percent inflation. So, yeah. you know, so a nominal true rate of return is a couple percent. So we feel that's fairly conservative. Correct. So, 
Um, you could do it, you know, if you want kind of back of the envelope, a little spitballing. Um, yeah, use five because the way we just explained it is that's a that's a lot more work. Um, it's a little more complicated. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit more complicated. But I like where he's at because he's like, you know what, man? I got six hundred and fifty grand. I'm in my mid thirties. I'm a wacko. I'm a little fire freak, and I want to get out of you know. Um, so I, but I want to be conservative. Should I? Should I bust this thing down twenty percent? I mean, what he's looking at is, I, I think, on the right track. He's he's being conservative with his numbers. Um, instead of saying, "Hey, I got six fifty. I was making fifteen percent over the last six years. I'm going to continue to use that because I know what stocks to pick or the funds are going to continue to perform this way." Um, he's looking at it as like, "Wow, I've had, I got lucky. I got a really good run over the last several years. Every year that I've invested, I haven't lost money because the markets have accumulated to a degree that I don't know is feasible anymore. So, should I just take a look and give myself a twenty percent haircut right now?" <laughs> So no, it's, I wouldn't. You don't have to. It's conservative, and we like being conservative. You know, use five percent if you want. Do an inflation rate on the expenses. Start lower. <laughs> if it works out, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, appreciate it. Like the questions coming in today. Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty good. All right. How would inflation impact stocks and bonds, the value of the dollar, and your portfolio? And what should you be doing about it in 2021? Check out the blog post and companion video on inflation by our Director of Research, Brian Perry, CFP, CFA, in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. You can also download our free guide on pursuing a better investment experience, read the transcript of this and nearly all of our previous podcast episodes. Thank you, Mom. Send in your money questions to be answered by Joe and Big Al on YMYW and share all of these free financial resources from the podcast show notes as well. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to get started. Uh, we got one here. Greetings from Hawk in Scottsdale, Arizona. Hawk. That's uh, That's got to be a nickname from military days, I bet you. Hawk. All right. Dear Roth, Big Roth, and the last Roth. <laughs> Roth yeah, it, no, Roth, okay. Roth, Roth, Roth. Yeah. Annuity spitball ladder. We're a longtime listeners, big fans, and I'm a binge listener, embarrassed to say we've listened to your podcast over dinner several times. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Hawk. <laughs> the hell is wrong I, with these people? I think that's wonderful. I think they, it's absolutely they the, ridiculous. They got the little uh, you know, the podcast going while they Please pass me the, the ketchup for <laughs> the my gray poupon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey. Think of a, a, a this pot one. roast is absolutely delicious. Oh, wait. Big uh, did, L. did you hear what Joe just said? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Big L is so smart. Don't you think so, honey? <laughs> I, I feel honored to be part of their dinner conversation. <laughs> what what do you think, honey? Do we have enough Roth? <laughs> What 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 did they say? Oh, can you pass me some salt, please? <laughs> I'm thirsty now after listening to this. Oh, it's creepy. Ugh. All right, here it goes. I'm sweating now. I just I just see myself at Hog's dinner table. <laughs> oh, married, three grown kids, four grandchildren. We are both 52, y'all. 52 years old and plan to be fully retired and funded 
2026, just a few years away. Uh, we both have worked 60, 80 hours a week for years and years, and we are done. English bulldog named Ralph. Oh, Hawk. I'm going to get an English bulldog. <laughs> I had one growing up. It was named Muggsy. You like oh. the name him Ralph, just in, in honor of Hawk. I, I think so. Um, I drive a big white 2010 Ford F-250. Goes anywhere. Does anything. Runs on Jack Daniels. <laughs> Oh, I think that means the driver runs on. That's <laughs> <laughs> good, Al. Uh, my wife drives a boring, no fun 2012 Volvo SUV and won't get a new vehicle. Uh, she said there's nothing wrong with her car. Says it um, says it's decisions like this that will let us retire earlier. Uh, then she points out that Big Al would agree with her. I do agree. She I think that's right more. on. Yeah, I'd get rid of that POS I was, and I get would, a new car. Stick with that Volvo. It's a perfect car. Yeah, no way. Get something sexy. <laughs> Combined income a year is $450,000. Home is worth eight hundred fifty, dollars with a mortgage balance of two hundred thirty. dollars Okay, 3%, five years left. Retirement financial focus is $6.3 million. So about $4 million in traditional 401ks, $500,000 in Roth, 400,000 in cash, 1.6 net after tax from private equity stocks sold upon leaving company that will be used to fund brokerage account with low fee tax advantage funds. That puts our portfolio around 60% qualified, 40% tax free or advantage. We look to spend $180,000 a year, which is a 2.8% distribution rate. Uh, Debt free, other than the mortgage, no car loans. My wife makes sure of that. Oh, $50,000 a year combined Social Security at age 62 or 72 at full retirement age. We have been very blessed. Yes, you are bragging, Hawk. I know. Hawk's like, yeah, my wife got to get a better car because I can afford anything. (laughs) (laughs) My beautiful beautiful wife is the brains of our outfit and set us up very nicely. We are both consultants, but she is really good at it. It has not been without cost, though. We each travel extensively for work, don't get to see each other very much. Instead, we have worked hard to save, 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 and get off this treadmill. Recently, there's been much talk regarding drastic estate tax exemption reduction, step-up and basis elimination, etc. I realize you guys don't have the crystal ball, Joe, don't make Andy have you edit this. Because he said he does, He realizes you guys don't have crystal balls. Ooh. <laughs> well, big Al, I don't know. <laughs> but you probably see where I'm heading. The tax time bomb. Isn't this the biggest issue here? We will work on that by putting the you-know-what into you-know-where. Yeah. You know what that is, Al, right? Yeah, that's getting more money in the Roth out of the qualified. <laughs> you got your crystal balls going. <laughs> you can read through the lines here. Yep. Uh, what, uh, what I'd like to get is a little spitball idea on asset protection. Okay, our CPA mentioned SLATs, Spousal Lifetime Access Trust. What are your thoughts, pros and cons? Other ideas for us to consider? Irrevocable sounds scary, but some of the proposed tax changes sound scarier. 
Thank you all for what you do. Hawk and Lady Hawk. P.S. No limerick yet. I haven't quite worked it out. I'm thinking something about tax increases in Nantucket. I like it. I know where he's going with that. Very good. Okay. Hawk. Is this Hawk? Right? Yep. Lady Hawk. Hawk. This is the first time I've ever heard spousal lifetime access trust. What is that? That's just a grantor trust. It's they just put stupid names on this stuff. I'm assuming I've never heard of it either, but I'm guessing it's an irrevocable trust that you can put money. Let's say one spouse, whatever the what's the exemption per person right now? About 11, 11 and a half million. Yeah. Call it 11 and a half million. And it could go down to three and a half million or five million per person. You know, under Biden, we'll have to see. So what? I guess, let's see, a spousal lifetime access. So one spouse puts the $11 million in there. The other spouse is probably the beneficiary. The beneficiary can live off the income to maintain the spouse's level of income, right? So, or or maintain a, a certain standard of income. Um, so this would avoid any type of estate tax. Um, so let's say the estate tax, because his total net worth is, um, what, $7 million bucks? Right. I wouldn't be too concerned, Hawk. I mean, you're a big baller, but you're not that big <laughs> where you got to be looking at slats. Right. I mean, we're, you're, you're giving up control um, because what this will do is avoid estate taxes. Um, so I don't know. How much money would you put in there? You could pass right now $25 million. What's What's Biden saying with the estate tax? He wants to repeal some of it, bring it down yeah. to, what, three and a half? So that's $7 million a, a, a couple. Yeah, three and a half to, to five million per person, right? Which would be doubled up. Yeah, I think that it's been a while since I looked up slats. I think you're right, Joe. I think it's an irrevocable trust. You get the money in. I think you do reduce your your exemption, but you reduce it at the current value, right? But it's a it's value, an estate freeze. It's an estate freeze, right? Uh, but you're not. I mean, at the moment, let's see. Did I read this right? Yeah. Uh, they're about 6.3 million. So if it goes down to 5 million, it's still 10. I, I think it's way too early. We don't even know what's going to happen yet. I, yeah, I wouldn't and he's, be like, he's in his concerned 50s. about that yet. He's in his fifties. Right. Right. Don't, now, I mean, now, now if he had, if he had 50 million, yeah. right, I would say, okay, that's a pretty good idea because now you can, you can lock in on the 11.5, right? Yeah, I mean, because you're going to spend some of this, right? You you already said you're going to take a three percent or two and a half percent district, like a three percent burn rate. So all of a sudden, you put X amount of dollars, half your net worth or liquid net worth, into a slat. She, you know, the spouse has access to it; she's the beneficiary. But it's still irrevocable. You know, how about if you get a divorce? I, I, how about if you die? The, I mean, there's there's other things I think that, that could blow this thing up potentially. I, I think the beneficiary is someone else like your kids, but the spouse has income rights as long as they're living. I think that's how it works. But you get it out of your state. I, it, that, it's been a while since I looked at that. I think that's what that does. But yeah, I would say, Hawk, it's way too early. You're, you're not in a, you're, you're, you don't have enough assets to worry about this yet. And there's, there's lots of other things you can do that are simpler. <laughs> Should we get to a point where the exemption's a lot lower? Right. So I, I yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about it yet. Yeah. What are some of your ideas that you would recommend to someone else that um, are, are simpler? I mean, a slat is pretty simple. You're just taking the assets into a, a grant or trust. Well, they, let's see, I think Hawk said he's got kids and grandkids. So the very simplest one is you just give 15,000 away each year to, to each beneficiary. Yep. That, that's, that's a simple one. 
Uh, another one would be you, you could do an estate tax freeze just on a particular asset that you had that was you thought was going to go up in value and reduce your exemption at that point. Like, let's say if the exemption goes way down, you know, maybe you do some of that. I, I don't know. I, I, you can well, do family about, li- what about um, what was uh, Kenny's favorite? Uh, he, he liked the Cupert. Cupert. Qualified, yeah. qu- qualified uh, personal, personal residence. Yeah, that's a, that's another one, and and you got family limited partnerships that you can do. Some people just say, forget it. I'll just buy a life insurance policy if there's any tax. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do that. I I, I just think it's too early right now. Yep, I agree. Totally agree. Very good. Great question. Thanks, Hawk. Appreciate it. Hey, Alan, I'm getting more questions on the Secure, the Secure Act, the Secure Act, really. So that's, I mean, that's what, like a year and a half old. But uh, the Secure Act 2.0. Got it. Securing a Strong Retirement Act of 2021. Got it. <clears throat> you like? It's a little catchy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Um, you heard of this bill? Yes, I have. <laughs> Do you think it's going to pass? <laughs> uh, it, it, who knows, right? It's anybody's guess at this point. Maybe parts of it will. You know, the Secure Act was kind of a... It wasn't that secure. It wasn't. It was. I remember. What was it? Um, what was that guy's name? Jamie something. Hopkins. Hopkins. Yes, thank Jamie you. Hopkins. Yeah. So he talked to us about it, and he had he had written an article of, of maybe the ten or twelve important things that came out of it, and even he on the air said, "Yeah, it's not much. There's nothing here. <laughs> a lot of fluff. Um, I got a few. Okay. Just to keep our listeners informed. Okay. Good." Uh, increasing RMD age to age 75. Yeah. Now oh, wow. that one, that one I think could happen, but it, it's not going to do anything. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Most people spend all of their money at 60. It, it, it helps the people that have more money than they know. It, to exactly. Do. You yeah. know, the people that have a ton of cash in the retirement accounts, it's going to help them. Right. So there you go. Um, auto enrollment in retirement accounts. I think that's, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. That actually has been proven to, to help because it's harder to, to, say, I don't want to do this than it is to just let it happen. Let's see. Um, indexes on IRA catch-ups. Yeah. I think they're already doing that. Right? I know. So, so I guess it's automatic yeah. because it's been a thousand dollars over the last couple of years. And yeah. then they increase it like every five years. Yeah. They, yeah, they usually go up in increments of $500. So yeah. maybe next year it's going to be $38 and 50 cents. Um. <laughs> I think this uh, the higher catch-up limits for ages 62, 63, and 64. They're moving that from 5,000 to 10,000. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I've also heard with um, the higher catch-up limits that it's going to be Rothification, uh, that you can't do a pre-tax. It's going to be after-tax Roth um, contribution. So Got it. Um, we'll see there. I think that's even better. Yeah. Uh, st- st- student loan payments for employer matching. Interesting. Okay. You know, so some of our listeners are probably going through this where they're paying off student loans and they can't necessarily fund their overall retirement. Right. And so they're kind of stuck. It's like, well, if I could just put a couple of, and they're missing out on matching, you know? Yeah. So they're, you know, they're missing out on free money that's going for their retirement. Um, In the compound effect of that is hundreds of thousands of dollars long-term. Right. Uh, So that'll be interesting to see how they monitor that, you know, here I'm paying my student loan payments. So now the employer's kind of matching their, their student loan payment as a into their 401k or, or employer plan. Um, so yeah, the employers may not like that one. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's a good perk. If we're matching our employees, 
Yeah, but that's for their 401k, not for their. No, they're loans. matching in the 401k if they prove that they're paying into their student loan. No, I understand. But <clears throat> I, what I'm saying is if they're not putting in the 401k right now and they're just paying the student loan, then the employer's not doing anything. So it's going to be more expensive for employers. That's what I'm saying. Not necessarily. We have employees that are not putting money into the 401k plan, right? If they, didn't have, if they didn't have a student loan, they would be, is sure. my point. Sure. So it would be the same thing. True. All I'm saying is right now they're paying a student loan, so they're not putting money into a 401k. So therefore, the company's not matching. So if we go to this. College should just be free. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Pay off all the debt. You're going to get some calls on that one. Uh, no, I do not believe in that. Sorry. <laughs> um, all right. So other things um boosting small employer those met plans you know they get a little bit of a a, a credit um putting etfs in 403b plans and then opening the door for etfs and variable annuities i have no idea someone on the etf board of um, trustees (laughs) (laughs) was was getting close with the the annuity people yes so um stay tuned well there's this bill is actually I don't know. I give it a D plus. The Secure Act 1.0 was a, yeah. a D. Yeah. You know? So there's there's probably so you're, you're giving this a little bit better rating. A little bit. I mean, it's not securing anyone's retirement. Secure Act is what um, setting every community setting up every for retirement up or something yeah. stupid, right? <laughs> setting well, they, every community person up for a secure. Well, they, you know, they they come up with the name and then they have to spend all this time. A re- reverse engineering to figure out what the acronym should be. Right. Derails about those 40 chickens, Kirby, and Big Al's winter jacket at the end of the episode, so stick around. Learn more about the Secure Act 2.0, access all the free financial resources, read the episode transcript, ask your money questions, and schedule a free financial assessment. It's all in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. We got to find out what the hell happened to the chickens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can speculate that that they were dinner for the past year but i don't know (laughs) we we had a neighbor that had chickens in our neighborhood which is suburban san diego i I don't think they were supposed to but they've got one of those yards that goes up a hill and they had a chicken coop at the top and right on the other side of their fence was a mormon church and i I always thought interesting no as i i don't think our homeowners association allowed it but no one ever seemed to complain but when i went to her backyard she'd say you need some eggs <laughs> so we'd go up and see what was there did you get some eggs yeah all right fresh yeah of course guys from minneapolis names is dog kirby <laughs> is that the most common name there why do you think you named kirby oh kirby uh i don't know kirby pocket Never oh. heard of that. Okay, I, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Who's Kirby Puckett? Oh my gosh! What are, are you an American? <laughs> Kirby Puckett was probably one of the best baseball players of all time. Center fielder. My cousin's name is Kirby. His name Kirby. Kirby. Yeah. I he got Kirby Puckett's uh, autograph one time. You did at, at a little mall. 
Yeah, I'm trying to, uh, you know, Rod Carew. He he was a he hit for average. Kirby, I don't remember. Was he average guy or home run guy? It was awesome. That's all. That he was just full of awesome. That's all you know. He was he was a little he was he was short and stocky. He was, he, he was stocky. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. He had some weird eye thing. Um, he? Yeah, he died way too young. Um, so, yeah, Corby Puckett. Yeah, he was my favorite baseball player. I've, so, I guarantee that's why he named. But I'm not guaranteeing anything. I'm I'm, I'm speculating here. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, I, I did grow up in Minneapolis. Now. I do know. I, I'm I'm imagining you can you can sort of picture this. You know, walking a dog to a ball field. Sure. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> I've been You're to. Coming. I've been there once, as you know, and it was uh, in January, so I didn't really get the full <laughs> feeling of walking. You're not walking Kirby here. to the ballparks. <laughs> not in that time. I, well, I did get a Sub-Zero jacket just for that trip, <laughs> which I've never worn again. <laughs> it's rated down to five, I think. It's like it's like so fat and thick, it takes up an entire closet. <laughs> so guest bedroom is my coat. <laughs> 